morning, and welcome to episode 1408 of Effectively Wild, the baseball podcast from Fangraphs.com, brought to you by our Patreon supporters. I'm Sam Miller of ESPN, along with both of my friends, Meg Rowley of Fangraphs and Ben Lindbergh of The Ringer. Hello, you both. Hello. Hello. How are you both doing? I'm sort of sick. I'm pretty okay. And I got some good news about a Halloween candy stash. So, <laughs> so you're doing great. Yeah. That, so that's where we all are. You, a couple days ago, you both recorded an episode where you talked about this concept of uh, kind of the opposite of the immaculate inning, the three pitch inning. And I'm kind of loading the, the lead in here, but in lieu of a better name for it, I think you settled on economical inning. And I, it's not my thing. I wasn't there. It wasn't my episode. Meg you... wasn't there either. Yeah, I was like, I don't remember having that conversation at all. <laughs> Wait, you yeah. were there, Meg? No. no that, oh, that's that right. A... That was the post. That was yeah, the, it was the like post. A all right. Stat blast appended to the end of the episode. That's right. But the, all right. So the economical inning was the listener's suggestion, and I just took it. Yeah. You gave some sort of nod to uh, approve economical inning or economic inning, economical inning. Well, anyway, I listened to that and I thought I would like to suggest a different name for it. I realized that I might be overstepping and if if Ben and the listener in their little conspiracy here don't want to take a different name, that's fine. But I thought a lot about this and I have another option. And I want to name this, this is again, this is the uh, an inning where you get three outs on three pitches. I would like to call it a minimum inning. And Mm. I am going to make my case for it in three points. The first point, minimum inning, okay? Five consonants, five syllables, all five nasal occlusives. It is a beautiful (laughs) sounding phrase, minimum inning. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Argument two, you can sing it to Menomina. So I'm going to sing it. Are we ready? No. Are, are you ready? Okay, here we go. Minimum inning. Do, 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 do. Minimum inning. Do, 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 do. Minimum inning. All right, so you get the point. Minimum inning. Okay? Third is it is my hope and my dream that if this ever catches on, that it will eventually just become one word. And I, I just want you both to look at this in text at how beautiful it is, okay? I just... <laughs> Is that not a beautiful looking word? Minimum inning. <laughs> looks uh, like it should be a palindrome. It's not, but it looks like it could be. It's a Sam, fabulous have... sequence of letters. And and I, uh, the fourth argument for it is that an immaculate inning, which is its sort of cousin achievement, it is not called a very good inning. We don't call it like a super great inning. We call it an immaculate inning to denote perfection. It is immaculate. There is no blemish. And economical is an adjective. Sure, it describes something that is economical, but it does not capture the extremeness of the inning. The only way that you can do that is to say it is the minimum. It is the minimum inning. So I'm saying let's call it a minimum inning. (laughs) Can I? I really hate disagreeing with you, but I think... (laughs) Uh, it's good. It's good for the podcast for us to not always agree. Yeah, and I don't know that I've ever disagreed with you more strongly <laughs> than I do in this moment. And my my issues are twofold. First of all, I do not think that minimum meaning is pleasing to say. I think it is. It is akin to trying to say Arnold Palmer, which is hard 
to say without slowing down in a way you don't slow down when you say words in conversation. You say Arnold Palmer and you sound like you're having a stroke or perhaps <laughs> have been overserved. And also, I had just gotten Manamana out of my head from like being a five-year-old and you have reintroduced <laughs> it and now we are feuding and we will remain enemies for 15 seconds and then we will get over it. But I cannot mm. believe that I'm going to be thinking of Manamana. I'm going to start singing it during this episode. I really liked it when I heard Sam say it the first time, but I've been rehearsing saying it in my head since then, and I've stumbled over it every time, as Meg sort of did when she just said it. It's kind of like a rural juror type of thing to actually (laughs) say. (laughs) Minimum inning. Minimum inning. Arnold Palmer. (laughs) Minimum inning. I I just... Does the does the visual not sway you at all? M I N I M U M I N N I N G. It's this a beautiful is, word. No, this is going to be like how I've never spelled Cincinnati right on the first oh, try. Oh, neither have I. Ever in my ever. entire life. Professional baseball writers over cannot, here. <laughs> cannot spell Cincinnati. It's like it's two C's, right? No, it's two N's. I'm pretty good at spitting. Well, there are two C's. It's, it's two I guess ends. there are multiple ends. There are, yeah, there are two C's, there are two I's, there are two N's, two oh, lot of things. No. This is like one. how vacuum is impossible. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, when I was a kid, I couldn't even say vacuum. I also couldn't say museum. What did you say instead? Museum. <laughs> <laughs> now, you say, now you really sound like a Muppet. <laughs> Speaking of Cincinnati, so that's been rejected. Do we have two I'm votes sorry. against? Ah, After uh, I went through the whole economical inning thing on that answer, I just figured, why do we even need a name for it? Because the emailer called it a three-pitch inning, and we all call it a three-pitch inning. Three-pitch inning is pretty easy to say, and it says exactly what it is. Yeah, so, it's evocative. Yeah. I mean, Just you need something, I guess, to, to pair with immaculate because immaculate's not a nine-pitch inning. That doesn't tell you what it is. But three-pitch inning, that just that tells you everything you need to know, really. And what what song does it go to though? <laughs> does a does it does it count if you? That's the important thing. Does it count if you give up, say, a, a single and then get a double play? Uh, this is like the retiring the side in order, striking mm. out the side conversation that could derail the rest of this episode. I think. What's uh, the song well, that the banker sings in Mary Poppins? I should go to that. <laughs> I don't know this one. No. <laughs> I always felt like uh, retiring the side in order, you had to get all three batters out, but yeah. three up, three down, you did not. You could get a double play. Right, but striking out the side, you can strike out everyone, and it doesn't matter what happens in yeah, between. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, the thing about strike we've not, uh, we've, I think we've <laughs> specifically avoided this, but look, the the thing about striking out the side is that it means what it means. It means how it is used, and it is worse for that. It is worse because people use it for any instance in which you strike out all three batters. But the fact remains that that is the definition of it. And almost everybody knows that and almost everybody uses it that way. And you can't argue. Now, it shouldn't be. It's weaker for that. And I would never go, uh, even knowing that, I personally would not use the phrase unless it was at the very least a scoreless inning. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Because I don't feel like an inning otherwise deserves any sort of praise if right. you've allowed runs so i will avoid using a, a you know a sort of a complimentary phrase to describe a pitcher's inning if he's allowed runs but um but it is what it is that it is it, and i don't mean like it is what it is in the way that like people go it is what it is i mean literally it is 
Like the word, the phrase means what the phrase means, and you cannot fight that at a certain point. Mm -hmm. Sadly. Because it's a much worse phrase for it. <laughs> Fidelity Fiduciary Bank. Yeah. Should go to that. Talking about the song in Mary Poppins. Oh, okay. <laughs> about the bank. So uh, my smooth Cincinnati segue has been lost, but can I tell you guys uh, both something about something that I saw this week, uh, which is the most unbelievable story that I've ever read. It is literally unbelievable. I do not believe it, but it relates to a topic that Ben and I discussed on Monday, which was batters bunting despite their team not ordering them to bunt or even mm. wanting them to bunt. This came up in a topic uh, about Fernando Tatis bunting on Saturday. Well, not one hour after that, I happened to, in my research for another article to read this article from 1995. It is a glowing profile of Barry Larkin, who is that year's National League MVP. It is in Sports Illustrated. And the lead into this is Barry Larkin saying that he will do anything he needs to do to help the team when he will, quote, assume any shape to help the team. If the team needs someone to lead by example, I do that. If it needs someone to steal, I do that. If it needs someone to bunt or move a runner from second to third, I do that. And here comes the story that is absolutely not possible to be believed. I do not believe it. I'm going to read it anyway. He'll do it even if the team wants him to do something else. Knight, this is Ray Knight, who was the third base coach for the Cincinnati Reds at the time. Knight recalls a recent game in which Larkin came to bat in the first inning with no outs and runners on first and second. As Ron Gant waited on deck, Larkin glanced at Knight, who gave him the hit sign. Larkin bunted. Strike one. Knight put on the hit sign. Larkin bunted. Strike two. Knight flashed yet another hit sign. Larkin bunted. Strike three. <laughs> this is in a... What? This is in a profile about how great Barry Larkin was. They put this anecdote. <laughs> Barry Larkin, who would take any shape? Wow. Yes, take he would take any shape, including the bunting into a strikeout with two on and none out in the first <laughs> inning when shape. he was the team's best hitter. And then this is the on the dugout steps, red manager Davey Johnson shook his head in disbelief. Later, he told Knight, Barry shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Wait, what quality is this supposed to illustrate? His, his, well, so Ray Knight brings it home. Quote, Barry knew we were having trouble scoring, and he wanted to get runners in scoring position for Ron, says Knight. The point is, Barry's thoughts are pure. What? <laughs> huh. Okay. That's Barry. Well, that backs up your thesis that you really can't go wrong by bunting. <laughs> you cannot, right? I mean, I don't. Uh, to I don't believe this actually ever happened. I think that this story has been mangled. I went looking for it, and it does not seem to exist. So uh -huh. it could have happened in spring training, or some significant details could be wrong. So you know, but like the, it is really incredible that that they went to Ray Knight and said, "Tell me the most complimentary thing you can tell me about Barry Larkin," and he said, "Well." Let me tell you about the time he failed to get down a bunt three times when I was screaming at him, hit, Barry hit. Is there is there a possibility? I mean, like, I still don't know why it would be the story you would pick if you don't then share. Like, like remember when, uh, like, a couple years ago when Branky was fooling around, was like, I'm just going to throw all breaking balls in a spring training start. 
to make a point about fastballs, I'm probably misremembering some of the details of this story, but it sounds like a thing that Granky would do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do, you, do you remember this? No. Yeah, this this rings a bell. There was something. Where yeah, he- like they were questioning the efficacy of the breaking ball, or I'm going to we're going to have four different people email us about this, which is fine. And he was just like, all right, I'm going to fool around. And then he only threw breaking balls for a start, just to like prove a point about the efficacy of his breaking ball, I think. Is it like that? Except then why would you still tell the story and not say he was having a laugh about <laughs> <Yeah>. something? <laughs> right. That is, you, you, you would think. You got to tell would... the second half of the story. Otherwise, you're just, you know, telling a weird story. <laughs> yeah. No, midway through this turns into a profile about Ray Knight and what Ray Knight values. Uh, because he did, right, right, the way that he chose to frame and edit this story tells you a lot about what he admires. Yeah. And it's unusual. It, the, it doesn't make a lot of sense that it would be spring training because, like, Barry knew we were having trouble scoring. Is that a thing in spring training? No, I'm sure that I'm sure that this was happening in a real... I. You know, in yeah. a real game. I'm just, you know, a game that counted for something. Uh, I'm just wondering, like, was there like a, is there a, a little wink and a nod that we're not seeing in print, but that was there in his eye when he was telling the That's story? A great question. I Probably do, I believe it did happen in spring training and some other details are wrong. I can't imagine any other explanation, although maybe I'll find it. Maybe I'll find it in the fourth inning. Maybe he just got the inning wrong and everything else is exactly right. Right. I have found Zach Granke purposefully got rocked in spring training game to yeah. troll former Royals pitching coach. Oh, maybe that was uh, it. Yeah. That been it. Yeah. yeah. All right. I don't remember this story. Decided <laughs> to throw 85 mile an hour fastballs just to prove that speed meant more. Oh, so, oh, the, oh, so I'm this misremembering. Is good, but I do like this. I I'm do misremembering like, the details. I have now, Zach Granke is now my favorite player because oh, yeah. I am furious every time I hear someone talk about how velocity, you know, like some pitcher loses four miles an hour of velocity. And he has like a 7.80 RA, but he carries like a two hitter into the third and the broadcaster will inevitably like, well, it's not just about velocity if you can move the ball. <laughs> right. And right. I like that Zach Greinke went out there and said, nope. <laughs> yeah. You know, there are other things Zach Greinke has done too that are pretty, pretty good stories. Yeah. <laughs> There's more where that came from. Yeah. So if you like this Zach Greinke guy now, I'll send you some links later. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, any other uh, banter from either of you? Don't think so. Right. Uh, no, I'm just trying to excise my nomina. <laughs> my brain. Meg, from... I'm sorry. I'm it's sorry, okay. I, I am, love. I the... am going to sing it again this episode. Oh, I am too. <laughs> sorry. I. I mean, I love the. I love the Muppets. I have. I have one of the pigs from Pigs in Space, like a little uh, Funko uh, figurine on my desk. I'm holding it in my hands right now. No kidding. Yeah. Oh my word. All right. They well, don't sing Manomina though. It's uh, Wednesday. It's an email show. And the hope here, the goal here, and the reason that all three of us are, are gathered today is that we're going to answer only one question. Hopefully, we don't know for sure if that'll survive. But uh, we have one question that we all thought would be interesting to talk about. And so we're going to answer it. And this question comes from Marcus, who asks, effectively wild, now that we're in the last season of this decade, who are your top five pitchers and top five position players of this decade? And we decided that we were going to answer this, each of us, without looking at war at all. We are going to answer this without the wars. And then after we have all answered it, we will look at the wars and see if, I don't know, see if the difference between our answers and the war answers is revealing or uh, to see if anything else interesting comes up in the meantime. 
I uh, don't know what each of you looked at. I looked at nothing. I decided that I was going to approach this entirely from a experience and memory and what I know position. And so uh, I, I looked at nothing. I sat and I thought and I listed every player that I could think of and I stared at their names and then I thought, yes, he is one. And then I came up with five. But neither of you had to follow such strict restrictions. So what did each of you choose to look at? The only thing, so I, I, I made my list. And then the only thing I looked at, and I did not look at wars, but the only thing I double checked was that my memory of when, when guys debuted and entered the league was accurate. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is exactly what I did. So that was the only thing that I looked at. Okay. Just so to make you, sure that I wasn't thinking like, oh yeah, that guy's, you know, like he's been around since. And it was like, no, it's much more recent than that. All right. So you looked at years active, but you did not look at anything else about them. And correct. so like you would not have, for instance, said, well, like when Ian Kinsler, for an example, we know that Ian Kinsler was good for a long time, but it's maybe hard to remember what years he was good. Did you like, would you have looked to see which years Ian Kinsler was good when his decline started? No. I like held a piece of paper over that part of player pages because I was nervous that I would look at war on accident. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so I held up a piece of paper over the player in that part of the player page. I went to baseball reference for this exercise because you can't really look at war by accident there. It's in a different box. And I figured that would be safer than yeah. going to fan graphs where it's right there at the top. Yeah, we, we are keen on you seeing it. Yeah. And we're like, hey, look at that. It's war. Um I I, I looked at exactly one thing by accident besides what I said that I looked at which I said that I looked at nothing. I looked at I ha- while I was doing this I happened to see one thing which ended up being very relevant to the way that I was thinking about this. I was trying to figure out well I can sort of estimate a player's war for this decade I think, but I don't know what it takes to get in the top 5. And around that time I happened to be at Todd Frazier's page. And I saw Todd Frazier's war. And this really <laughs> messed me list. up. It, yeah, <laughs> no, not. not on mine either. But this really <laughs> messed me up. Because I'm going to ask you both a question first, which is, what do you think it takes? What do you think a war for the decade takes to get you? Maybe not quite in the top five, because I don't know, probably between five and eight, there's or five and 10. I don't know. There's going to be some disagreement. But what does it take to be a credible contender for this? I would say like, 40-ish? Yeah. Yeah, 40-ish. That's exactly what I thought. And How then I many saw, does Todd Frazier well, have? Well, he does not have 40. But he got, <laughs> Todd Frazier has 25. Really? Todd <laughs> Frazier, which means that I could definitely stumble into somebody yeah. by accident who is lower than Todd Frazier. Yeah, I'm yeah. definitely afraid that I am going to omit <laughs> the most obvious person. Yeah. And it'll be very embarrassing for me to have not even considered one of the five best players of the I, decade. Yeah. yeah, I hedged a little bit by making a list of 30 names. And <laughs> I'm going to state up front that I have 30 names. And I'm listening to hear if I, if you, if either of you names a player who is not in my 30. But going 30 deep, I feel like I should be pretty safe. <laughs> I've not decided on my fifth yet. So hang on. I'm looking at them. I have decided. All right, there we go. We didn't actually say which war we're using to decide this, and there's at least one player on my list that that might actually make a difference for. So I don't. I I might answer the same either way, but 
I don't know. Do we have to say? I mean, I no, figured we'd I probably think, look at both, but... I don't think there's a right answer. I think we're going to look at the wars to see what the wars say. We can look at both. But I don't think that the wars are going to tell you that you're wrong. So Todd Frazier could be the right answer? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any version of war is helping him out that much, but... <laughs> I, I did not choose to do this with no research because I was testing myself. I chose to do this with no research because I wanted to answer this question from my own experience and memory, and memory as a baseball fan. And so if mine are different than the wars, that's fine. And I might reconsider having looked at the wars. But I don't feel like this is a test. I don't feel like we need John Chenier in here to score how close we hewed <laughs> to, the, to the wars. <laughs> okay. All right. So um, what we're going to do, since we figure there's a lot of overlap, is we'll just start. One of us will start with our number one. And if uh, everybody else has that name, then we'll all say, I also have that name, and then we'll cross that off. So we won't talk about players three times. And uh, then we'll progress down from one to five as we start to see probably different names. So does anybody want to start? I can start. I mean, right. do we want to do pitchers or position players uh, first? Let's do position players first because I believe that pitchers are boring. I think that the pitcher <laughs> exercise to me was quite boring. Huh. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll, well get to that. But yeah, I guess I feel more confident in my five for the pitchers. Exactly. Yeah. The, I don't know that I feel yeah. Well we'll wait I'll wait to say those always say those <laughs> words until we're talking about pitchers. So we all had trout at one, I imagine. I had trout at one, yes. I did have my trout. So. Yeah. <laughs> How many so trout debuted in two thousand eleven. The big part of this exercise is timing your debut, right? Right. And uh, Mike Trout debuted in 2011 and got really good in 2012. And so that was good. If he had debuted in 2016, do you think he would have been your number one? No. 10, no. 20. Hey, he still would have been about 40. Yeah, close. Yeah. yeah. I think he would have been in the top five still, but I don't think I would have had him at one. Right. Okay. So top, probably top five, though. So do you think that 40 in four years would be better than 50 in 10 years for this exercise. Hmm. In terms of your inclination to include them, mm -hmm. I don't know that that would make a huge difference to me. There's probably only one player for whom that question will matter, and I do not have that one player on my list, so I guess I will see whether <laughs> either of you. Yeah. If I'm thinking of players of the decade, I would prefer for it to be a player who was there for most of the decade. Yeah. But if if the player was so great that he was better than everyone else in half the decade, then I guess he should count. Mm -hmm. And obviously he would have been a an indelible part of that decade because he would have dominated that half decade. All right. Mike Trout. Duh. <laughs> All, All right. right. Ben, who do you have at number two? Joey Votto. Joey Votto. All right, so... Votto's on my list too, but I have him at four. Joey Votto is the person that I decided on a minute and a half ago at number five. <gasps> okay. And so I talked to two people on my G-chats and asked them this question with without them looking, and neither one of them had Votto. And in fact, there was a real... I think that there was a a fear of the wars. I think there was a fear that like, oh no, I'm going to get warred. I'm going to get, I'm going to end up with like, it's going to be, it's like one of the answers was Ben Zobrist. I don't know if either of you had Ben Zobrist, 
but the one crossed of, my mind. Yeah, but I I didn't think that he would be a top five guy. He seemed yeah. more like a sneaky like top ten guy to me. And I also remembered him being really great in two thousand nine with the Rays, and oh, that wouldn't yeah. count. That's right. So, I mean, I, he still had good years in this decade too, but. Uh, the 2009 aspect did not cross my mind. And so I had him in my 30. Jason Hayward <laughs> is the one that I got really scared of. I, oh, I kept okay. thinking yeah. it's going to end up Hayward's going to be number three on this, right? <laughs> no. And no. I don't think that's true. He's, he can't. must be like sub Todd Frazier. Oh, get out of here. No way. He <laughs> no. debuted on opening day of 2010. Okay, and that's so true. So he's Perfect got timing. prime prime coverage. Yep. And Hayward. I was really good in that season. He was, yeah, he was great immediately. He was a great rookie. Yeah, but that was his best year by far, yeah. right? No. Well, I mean, there were good defense years too, but that was still his career year, I think. Uh, but I don't know. We can't uh, t- check any of this. No. <laughs> Normally, I would we be, just that pull up the, the stats. Of- <laughs> I would be shocked if Jason Hayward's career war, which is this decade's career war, is lower than... I would be shocked if it's lower than 35 and if I had to guess, I would guess 41 or 42. Oh, I would take the under on that. Yeah. On, on reference? All right. Let's, well, we're going to yeah. record. The, okay, we're going to check soon. <laughs> so what did I say? I said shocked at 35. Surpri- uh, get, I would guess 41 or 42. Ben said I would take the under. And Meg said manamana. <laughs> All right. Please note that I said that with some confidence. Okay, hang on. Let me know. Let me yeah, let the record show. There's conviction. With some <laughs> yes. confidence. Do you prefer confidence or conviction? I like conviction. Didn't the, uh, did hang the, on. Let me delete conviction. All right. Didn't okay. the Braves make the playoffs by like one game that year? Isn't they Jason, did, yeah. Isn't yeah. Hayward yeah. why they made the. Mm. Yeah. 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 I mean, that was his best offensive year by far, right? He may have had a. Maybe he had a better war year because of defense, but. I, I'm not. I'm not even confident it was his best offensive year. I think that he had a sophomore slump, and I think he came back in his well, one of those Braves years. I think was pretty good. And he then was, I think right before the contract was pretty good because people are. Like, I remember how he was a her. six war, six war guy. I mean, he was the like when when he, Jeff Passan like, was doing the the like, MVP war columns. It was <laughs> Alex Gordon and Jason Hayward were the we were so worried we would not be able to fill an episode with this topic, <laughs> and we have spent this long talking about a guy who wasn't on any of our lists. <laughs> I, well, chose Votto, I chose I chose over him at the last second. <laughs> he was there with three other names. Votto, I think I, I think <laughs> I think Hayward had a career high in homers that year at least because oh, be he was like a power hitter that year and then never really a power hitter again anyway that's enough about jason so crew can i say something about Votto, which i think was sort of the one because i like you sam wanted to try to do this from memory but then was also deeply afraid that i was going to miss some guys because you know like we all have we all have some stretches in our sports engagement where there are gaps and the beginning part of this decade was like firmly in my my Goldman gap. And so I, you know, I know I knew stuff. I watched baseball, I watched, you know, the postseason and all that, but like the minutia was not quite what it's clearly what it is now. So I was nervous similarly, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I had, you know, it's like Votto has this reputation among sabermetric types of being perpetually underappreciated by fans who rely on traditional stats to understand things. So I thought, oh, he's probably like sneaky really high up on this list. And then with Trout, the thing, I mean, I don't think any of us had a doubt about Trout being probably number one, but you just think about like, oh, he was, he passed this Hall of Famer. 
Mm-hmm. And so then you're like, well, he has to probably be number one. So you could just logic your way to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of those. <laughs> yeah. Well, tra- I mean, trout. I'm trying to say words that aren't my Trout. I assume trout has a lead of at least 15 yeah. wins. I, I might yeah. take the over on that. So trout right now has uh, his career war yesterday was 70.4. And of course, that's all this decade. And so, yeah, I mean, it's it's could someone have 55 this decade? Yeah. But yeah, I think I think you you know, I think that's right, that that's probably the outer limit of what we would expect from anybody else uh, on here. Sam, who did you have? Number two, by the way, so uh, to conclude the thought. And so people I was worried that Votto, because he's a first baseman, I don't it's hard to it's hard to rack up wars as a first baseman. I've just I've looked at Votto's page often enough just to check in on how close he is to hall of fame caliber and I... how close is he and also when he debuted hang on let me try to guess when he debuted because 2010 was his mvp year I right or was it the so. year he finished second he finished first in 2010 and then second in like 2007 he was around before so, 2010 so for, he was around before 2010 and so i don't think my he was thinking, a superstar oh see my thinking was that vado was pretty good like he debuted he was pretty good and yeah. he, I don't think he was an immediate MVP candidate. And so I figured, well, maybe there's 15 wars there before he won MVP. And he's not like people don't talk about him as a no doubt Hall of Famer. And in fact, no. I think he's probably about 50 career war. And so then if you start doing the math, like what with my with my assumptions, it's like 50 minus, I don't know, 12. Is he 38 for this decade? He's had a couple of seasons that were downer seasons, but he's had some great ones, too. Right. So anyway, Votto is my number five. My number two, I only have two that I'm confident about, and one is Trout, and the other, I'm confident about this one partly because I do not care what the war say. It's Buster Posey. Buster Posey to me is a, is is an easy take here. Obviously, he's my number two. I imagine that the war's going to do well by me, and I think if you adjust for him being a catcher, which you know the standard for Hall of Fame catchers is lower because it's hard to rack up wars catcher traditionally then it's even higher so buster posey you know he's he just he's an mvp he's a rookie of the year he's a superstar he's a batting champ he's a gold lover he's even better if you go to baseball prospectus where you have uh although i get i i can never quite tell who's doing what with the framing and the wars these days but i know that we he does it. really well at baseball yeah, everyone right. except be ref yeah, they all have, have oh okay yeah, so, so fangrass has it. all right so good two it's out of three you're gonna tell me buster posey to me is my number two no no doubter i had him at three okay. i had him at four all right oh i guess i have to tell who my second one is huh i had uh, the, well wait, well, wait we wait, can wait, talk more about posey. oh yeah we should talk more about buster posey i'm just saying out loud i need to remember to say mine yeah posey was the one i meant when i asked earlier about whether we cared which war we were talking uh, about here but yeah, yeah. i would have I, I had him on my list regardless and he is also a player who his rookie year was 2010 so he, he perfectly covers this decade i mean these are going to be his 10 best years and they yeah. cover the decade exactly right even though he's this is not gonna, i am shocked by the way that I, I watching him i was just watching him a couple days ago i've had this thought 50 times this year i am shocked to think that buster posey is not going to make the hall of fame there was like a year or two ago there was nobody i was more certain about and i'm watching him now and i just think oh he's i can't believe it he's not going to make the hall of fame it's hard Hmm. to imagine and that's how i felt about joe mauer at a certain point when joe mauer was so far ahead of everybody else when you looked at 
like active players wore at that age. Uh, he was so good, such a star, such an absolute superstar. And then just like that's that, one, that was that, and he didn't get there. Yeah, well, I I would vote for Maurer as is. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. I don't yeah. know if he will be. Posey, yeah, I mean it, it depends. Hard to know like, without knowing his more. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. It, it's also hard to know. I mean, like he's in this, he's like mired in this horrible season long slump this year. But like you know, you could see him pulling out of the skid and then playing first base for a while and. Um, yeah, he wasn't very good. he wasn't good last year. You know? no, he had he the wasn't. the hip thing, and yeah, he had yeah, thing. but but he had the MVP. He won lots of World Series. Yeah, he so. did. He won three rings. Caught a bunch of no hitters. He was literally changed a rule. He did. Yeah, if he had done almost anything in his thirties, and That's right. hopefully he still will, but yeah. really he just had to sort of show up and and be you know thirty percent worse than he had been, and instead he's been more than that worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, so we have. Uh, let's see. Do we have everybody's number two? No, I have to go. Okay. I put. I feel like this is aggressive now. I feel like it was too aggressive, but I've made a choice. I have to stick to it. I had Beltre at two. Oh. I did not name Beltre on my list of thirty. No, me neither. And I uh, well, your list of thirty. Now I'm, now I'm nervous. <laughs> I think that, I no, I think that's a good pick. I think so. it's, I think Beltre is is definitely should be in the top thirty. Would have had him in my thirty. <laughs> I am not saying that I didn't have him in my thirty to make Meg feel bad, as to admit that the thing that I set up at the beginning to humiliate myself has come crashing down. Yeah, I don't understand how listing thirty is <laughs> makes you less likely to make an embarrassing oversight are you just gonna make it anyway <laughs> i didn't think i'd forget Beltre, okay <laughs> well here was my lo- here was my thought process on Beltre. so like so the last decade you know so starting in 2009 and was it 2009 was the Mar- mariners year the mm. last mariners year oh it was 2010 really the red sox year i think oh what wow oh, i mean what true? a monster man, he was yeah he got the whole and wow. And so I this is, is a good pick. And you yeah, know, here's the thing you always say about Adrian Beltre. You're like, hey, remember how he ended up having this weird Hall of Fame career, like in the last ten yeah. years of his career? So yeah, 2009 was that Mariners year. Wow. I'm not looking at his mm. war, but and so my, I'm not, I'm scaring it with my hand. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're just gonna have to believe me. And so I thought, hey, you know who ended up being really good, and now we talk about him like he should probably be in the Hall of Fame is Adrian Beltre. Mm-hmm. You know when that started. 2009. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. was why I thought of, I thought it. That's a great huh. pick. I mean, is, w- yeah. like uh, the things that, okay, so Beltre's career war is around 90 or 95. And it's hard for me to imagine that he had 50 of those <laughs> before he left the Mariners. Right. And so he, this he did seems... have more than you would think or more, more than, than right. yeah. at the time thought. But because like, he so started super young and he had, the like, defense was great the whole time and he had so, the one big offensive year. Yeah, but... yeah, that one really good Dodgers so, year. Right. So nine is nine that year with the Dodgers, and then let's say maybe two for the other five years as the Dodgers. That's nineteen. And then he wasn't terrible with the Mariners as far no. as wars go. And so then maybe that's like Maybe that's 15, and so now you're up to 34, 34 to 40. And so that That leaves you with a a 55 (laughs) 55 war player, which is what we stated might be the maximum that anybody would have. Beltre is a great pick. That is a good pick. I'm scanning my... Oh, no, look, I do have him in my top 30. Types furiously. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, with only with two years left in the decade to spare. And yeah, that is that's I've written whole articles about how underrated Beltre is and when we all realized that Beltre was great. And yet I didn't really even consider him for my five. So I made the same mistake. Yeah. All right, great pick. I would get. I don't think he has fifty-five though. Eight years, he no, can't possibly have more not. than two might, fifty. Two right? might be aggressive. I feel good about him being in my. Got to be in the forties though. He's yeah. got to yeah, be feel, in the forties. I feel good about him being in my top five. I think I would, in hindsight, reorder this, but I'm not going to do that because it would be cheating. Mm-hmm. Okay, wait, hang on. You had him number two. Yeah. Right, I'd, which I think. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I had Trout and then Beltre and then Posey and then, and then Votto. Votto. All right, and then Ben has Trout and then Votto and then who's your number three? I have not said yet, so I right. should say we're, that. Now. We're asking you that. Miguel Cabrera. Miguel Cabrera. I do not have Miguel Cabrera. He was one of the four options for my number five spot. Miggy is my five. Okay. Wow, man. It's great having you. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to sing Menomina a couple more times? <laughs> uh, I I thought that Miguel Cabrera. I thought long and hard about Miguel Cabrera, and I decided that he has been too bad for the last few years, and that I just know uh, even when he was good, we were all bad mouthing the war. And so I thought, but the war was like eight. Well, the <laughs> we're, we're when he, no, 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 the, the, when he, was the one better. year when he won the triple crown, it was like six and a half. I think the next yeah. year it was close to eight, and yeah. those were his two big years. And I think he was fours and fives in his good years before that. And then he, you know, and then he went away. And so I got him around forty. I got him like right around there. He's close for me, but I ultimately thought that. It wasn't going to get there. I I could see it though. My threes and my three and four don't look as good to me right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he did enough early in the decade, but we'll see. Does it? So let me ask you this: Is this is Miguel Cabrera a player who, if the wars show him at eight or nine, you will stand for anyway? Because he was a he was. If we're just naming historically significant figures of the decade. Mm-hmm. Isn't he there? Isn't it basically like like he's there among the three or four? Like I would say yeah. that if you're if you're doing historically significant figures from the nineties, mm-hmm. you're talking Trout, David Ortiz, Miguel Cabrera, and you know maybe maybe Posey or maybe Bryce Harper. Yeah, yeah. I think he won two MVP awards, even mm-hmm. if he shouldn't have. <laughs> he won a triple crown. He won batting titles. <laughs> Obviously, he won at least one batting title. I think he won multiple batting titles. He was a part of most of the previous decade as well because he was a rookie on that 2003 team, right? So mm-hmm. yeah. he was around for a lot of that and good, but his best and best known years were in this decade. And he's known as like a, you know, one of the best hitters of all time in his prime. So I, I would say that he would be on my list even if he just loses out to someone. Okay. What if he loses out to my number three pick, <laughs> Robinson Cano? Oh, Ooh. Robbie's a good pick. Oh, oh yeah. Now I want now oh. I want my Miggy pick back. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Robbie's a way better pick. Yeah. Robbie's a way better pick. Oh, yeah. Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Drat. Uh, a uh, way better pick. Yeah, than Cabrera, you think? Yeah, not, not than the other not ones. Not than Beltre. Not he's not. No, a way better I'm confident in the other ones, even if yeah. I'm squishy on the order. But I am mad. Yeah, I'm angry. I myself. believe. I think that Robinson Cano. If I, I, my guess is that if you look at any 
like three year period from 2010 through 2000, like 17, mm-hmm. maybe 18, any three year period, any three year period, I think Cano is in the top three in war. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Or at least the top five. Yeah. He had good star level seasons before this decade, I think, in New York. But yeah, I mean, he's he's a Hall of Famer right now, and most of that career is in this decade. So yeah, he he has to be on here. So when did he debut? He was uh, when did he sign with the Mariners? Two thousand fourteen. Yeah, before the and fourteen so, season. So basically, thirteen, twelve, eleven, ten. He, I mean, that means two full years before this decade. So the bulk of it is in this decade. Uh, so yeah, such a good pick. All right. <laughs> so I should go. So we have Ben's number five left and my number four left. So I'll go to my number four. My number four is Andrew McCutcheon. That's and also a good pick. And that's Ben's five. All right. Yeah. And McCutcheon, if uh, McCutcheon is probably you know along with Posey and and maybe Trout is my favorite superstar of the decade. I just think he was. He was perfect. He he was a perfect franchise player. I love him to death. And there was that five-year run where he was basically a top five MVP guy every year. And I do not know how much he has given away in this race since then. I also don't, let's see, when did he debut? It's hard to know when he debuted because he signed an extension. So you don't have that easy like free agent and count back six years. Right. When when did he debut? <laughs> 2000 <laughs> what? Eight? Nine? I don't know. Around Seems there. like his peak was definitely fully contained within this year. His peak, here's what I know about his peak. His was, peak overlapped with Buster Posey's peak. Like cause they were going back and forth. It was mm-hmm. two thousand nine. He he played hundred and eight games in two thousand nine. So I'm not liking so, it as well. All right, so my <laughs> guess, though, unfortunately, my guess is that McCutcheon is another player who people don't say is a lock Hall of Famer. And as I remember from doing my Hall of Fame 50% war threshold thing a few years ago, he was extrapolating from that. I think he's like mid-40s for his career. So if we assume that 2009 was a sort of limited number, then he's going to be probably low 40s, if I'm right. And low 40s probably gets you there, but it's not Beltre, and I don't know if it's Miguel Cabrera. So while I like Andrew McCutcheon in that spot, or I liked Andrew McCutcheon in that spot, uh, hearing Adrian Beltre's name has made me think that he might be number six. Yeah. Yeah, if I had to reorder my list right now, I'd keep Trout, I'd keep Vado. I think I'd keep... I don't know if I'm more confident in Cabrera and Posey, but I think I'm more confident in Cano, certainly. Cano would be my my two or three if I redid this. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I might put Beltre over McCutcheon even. I would definitely put Beltre over McCutcheon. So I'd I'd keep, yeah, I'd go Trout, Cano, Vado, Beltre, and either Cabrera or Posey. I'm not sure which. Mm -hmm. I feel like Posey probably beats out Miggy just when you think about the defensive value, right? Yeah, probably. So we have, nobody has disavowed any pick, though. (laughs) No, (laughs) I'm disavowing the Miggy pick. You are. I'm disavowing. I mean, I think Uh, he's probably still in like the top 10. uh I don't think that he's, he's not Todd Frazier. Just a pick on Todd. By disavowed, you, uh, you, I mean, I'm changing, if I could change, 
I would put Cano on my list for sure. And yeah. Well, no, I heard you say off. that you would put Cano on, but then I heard you say that you didn't know that you would take Cabrera, Posey, or McCutcheon off. I'd, <laughs> I'd take McCutcheon <laughs> off. Okay. You would... And then I'd kick either Cabrera or Posey off. I'm not sure which. Uh-huh. All right. I, I guess Cabrera. If I were to redo my five, I'd go Trout, Posey, Cano, Votto, and Beltre. So should we look at the wars? Yeah. Let's All right, play the, the music, Ben. Play the music. Not that music. <laughs> stat, blast, uh, stat blast music. We're stat huh. blasting. Okay, stat All right, blast. So why don't you look up Fangraphs and I'll look up Reference. I'll get Fangraphs. Oh, the suspense. Wow. I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We were were none of us very bad at this exercise. Oh. I don't think. Oh. (laughs) I don't think we were any of us very bad. Pretty good. We did pretty well. We did pretty well. Folks, right. we did pretty well. Do you want me Professional to do... Professional baseball writers. Yeah, we know about... to name the we best know players stuff. of this decade. Ian Kinsler does really well. Ian Kinsler is ahead of people who have been named. Not named on lists, though. I don't think he's ahead of anybody that we actually... He's ahead, ahead of, of people. He's ahead of people in your 30? Yeah, he's ahead of people okay. that we've named, which is to say he's ahead of Jason Hayward, oh, who sure. on, on this list is 36.4. Ben, were you saying you would take the under on my guess or on my shocked at? Uh, I, well, definitely the the guess, but the shock debt, the shock debt. I guess that's a, a good over under. All right. Well, he was thirty six point four. My shock okay. debt was thirty five. Okay. Jason Hayward's best season came in his well, his best. Yeah, his best WRC plus was his rookie year. His yeah. power year and his power speed year was in his third year, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, six point four, five point five, five point eight, six point six. Had a bunch of good years. Okay, All right. So. so- do, but you should say who the top five is. The top five. The top five on BaseballReference.com are Mike Trout, who today is at 70.5, uh, Robinson Cano at 53.3, Joey Votto at 51.2, Adrian Beltre at 51.0, and Miguel Cabrera at 50, at 43.4. So those are all five. We how many? We only named like eight players, right? One, yeah. two, three, four, five. Uh, six, seven. We only named seven players, and we got five of them. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, folks. not bad. <laughs> and and our misses were near misses, at least when it comes to Fangraphs war. So if it, yeah, give us the Fangraphs. Yeah, give us Fangraphs. So Fangraphs Trout is first was seventy one point five. Posey comes in at second with fifty two point seven. Mm. Votto is third at fifty two point three. McCutcheon is fourth at forty nine point eight. Cano is fifth at 49 wait, flat. Hang wait, on. Wait, so wait. I got on Fangraphs, I got all five. Yeah. Wait, nice. wait, are we, we're starting with 2010? 20, oh, I have or, 2009, right? No, no, no. Do you want me to 2010? Okay, never, hold on, hold uh-oh. on. Uh-oh. New five. New <laughs> five. I mean, shame. I imagine a lot of this is going to be the same. Hey, look, it didn't really change at all. Trout is still one. It's 
71.5. Posey comes in at second again with 52.9. Votto is third with 47.7. McCutcheon is fourth with 46.4. Cano is fifth with 45.4. Miggy is sixth with 43.5. And Beltre is seventh. Wow! We named seven names and we got the top seven. Yeah. Go us. We did it. (laughs) We can all keep our jobs. And I got the top five, so I can keep my job especially. But I blew it on the other one. So on reference, Posey is eighth, and on reference, McCutcheon is 10th. And so on that one, your lists were stronger, and my list was definitely weaker. That McCutcheon difference is really interesting, and somebody could probably write an article about it. Yeah. So other names, we'll go on to pitchers real quick, but uh, or in a second, but Josh Donaldson was the other name that I was yeah. really on. He was the, my sixth. Yeah, he was he was one of my final names. Ninth by Fangraphs War. Evan Longoria is maybe the name that would surprise people. He is sixth on baseball reference. Sixth. We He's just old. missed him. Yeah. Uh, we, <laughs> we just missed all of us missing him. He was sixth on baseball reference. He's 11th by Fangraphs War. And um, yeah, uh, nobody mentioned John Carlos Stanton. I thought about him. He's 12th on reference. 10th by Fangraphs. I gave some serious consideration to Jose Bautista. Yeah, I did too. He was, uh, but he, he was beautiful. He was a beautiful part of the decade. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he broke out right at, at the beginning of the decade too. Yeah. He was 23rd on reference. Huh, and he's uh, another page entirely on Fangraphs. And Mookie Betts, the player that I suggested, would be the toughest challenge for the peak versus longevity oh, sure. uh, difference he was 13th on reference oh wow he's uh oh i guess he's 19th on fangraph so it's not so far off uh-huh. the other the other one that we probably should mention is yadier molina mm. who is eighth by fangraph oh wow score. 31st yeah. on reference wow framing framing yeah uh okay. yeah and it's all framing <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> do I let me see, do I have uh I did not write Yadier Molina on my top thirty. Yeah, and I don't have I, him. Oh just, I didn't do I, a top thirty. <laughs> I was lazy. I did have Longoria though. All right. So that was fun. So now the thing about the pitchers, and I don't know, I'm giving it all away here, but the reason that I thought the pitchers were kind of boring or maybe kind of easy is that it seemed to me that there are four extremely easy, impossible to miss totally uncontroversial picks yeah and then there are like six almost equally equal to each other equally valid picks for number five so you almost cannot miss one two three or four and you really can't go wrong with number five and so right. that was also Meg's experience. Ben, was your experience? The pressure's really on not to miss one of these top four now. <laughs> well, but, I think the yeah, top three I, I are that like that. The top three. Okay. I will be mm-hmm. interested to see who the fourth is. So I have not actually ranked these, so I'm going to just rank them. All right. I'll go first. My number one is Clayton Kershaw. Yes. Yep. And so Clayton Kershaw, of course, is an all-time great. I think that... There's a weird thing where at the time I did not realize that Pedro Martinez was actually as good, more or less, as Barry Bonds was, that his baseball reference, well, baseball reference didn't exist at the time. Neither did ERA+, neither did FIP, neither did all sorts of things that I would come to know. At the time, I knew Pedro Martinez was the best pitcher in baseball, and I also knew that Barry Bonds was the best hitter in baseball, but I did not realize at the time in 1997, 98, 99, that 
20 years later, I would look at Pedro Martinez's page with perhaps even more awe and affection. And I do not currently feel that way about Clayton Kershaw's page relative to Mike Trout's, but I am open to the possibility that in 20 years, I will have reassessed things and thought that Clayton Kershaw was actually every bit the superstar during his era that Mike Trout was, particularly because it is so hard to judge pitchers, especially over the last few decades, as the role of the pitcher changes. It is so hard to judge pitchers in their era when you have been brought up on previous eras, ideas about what a pitcher looks like, what a pitcher is and does, and to value, to weigh the the value of a inning pitched versus a run suppressed is very hard to look at Nolan Ryan, for instance, and see that he has, well, mediocre innings, uh, mediocre ERAs, but he has just this incredible innings load. And you know that that hurts his ERAs because he's pitching so deep. And then you look at Kershaw and you think, well, how do I, how do I scale that down to 198 innings and figure out what it's all worth? So anyway, the point is that over this period of this decade, really almost exactly this decade, if you were to pick a Koufax-like peak for him, it would have started in 2011. But from 2011 to 2017, he was considerably better than Sandy Koufax was. And Sandy Koufax is in the Hall of Fame because of a more or less a four-year or a six-year peak. And Kershaw's seven-year peak uh, was even better. It is just nothing but black ink here. Nothing but black ink. He has every bit the black ink on his page that Mike Trout has. And he has the three Cy Youngs. He has five, uh, seven straight years finishing in the top five. Uh, one of those years, he only threw 149 innings. Otherwise, he would have had. Uh, well, I mean, you could make the case. I, in fact, uh, I once tweeted that it's kind of weird that the only reason that Clayton Kershaw doesn't have four consecutive Cy Youngs is that R.A. Dickey bunched all of his good starts in one year. And you could make the case that Clayton Kershaw could have seven Cy Youngs yeah. in those seven years. There's there's an argument for him. Obviously, there's an argument for him every one of those years because he got first place votes every one of those years. So uh, Clayton Kershaw, absolute incredible superstar, probably underappreciated by me relative to how much I appreciate Mike Trout. Uh, and he's a, it seems to me an easy number one. Yeah, me too. I think I, I wrote about Kershaw earlier this year, and I think I had a stat in there that Clayton Kershaw's 20s are the only pitcher to have a, a better decade of his 20s and debut after 1908 is Roger Clemens. So that's more than 100 years of pitchers in their 20s, and none of them except Clemens has been better than Kershaw. That 20s for him doesn't perfectly map onto this decade because he started in 2008, so it's like 2008 to 2017. But yeah, that that decade was uh, about the best decade of pitching there is for at least for a, a young pitcher and most pitchers are at their best when they're young so yeah that was I, I didn't have to think about that as my number one pick any more than I thought about Trout mm-hmm. I don't have anything to add alright <laughs> so he's all of our number ones Meg who's your number two I had Verlander at two yeah, I I put very little thought into two versus three, but I had him number three. Yeah. Yeah, I had Scherzer then Verlander. Yeah. Then. <laughs> well, I mean, that's fine because I'm about to say that I had Verlander <laughs> then Scherzer and I was like, I don't know. I just like, you know, he's he's he has been good enough in the good years, even with the down stretch. I think he's very good. <laughs> yeah, I also do. Uh, I so what uh, t- was 2009 his MVP season? 
Uh, sounds right. I, I was thinking, I put Scherzer just ahead of Rowender because I was thinking that he peaked later or closer to where we are now that or, or that Verlander yeah. got good sooner it took Scherzer a while to get to this otherworldly level and so maybe it's recency bias I don't know but I figured that Verlander had more good pitching years before 2010 than Scherzer did his MVP was 2011 oh okay mm-hmm. right that was because so, he did he did both right yeah and that's right. And so then 2012, he was still phenomenal. And then phenomena. Dun, dun. Uh, so he was still phenomenal. And then he signed his extension. And so then like, what, 13, 14, 15, or some combination of those were the down years. And then he started right. coming back. And all right. Uh, yeah, I, I it, with Verlander, Verlander and Scherzer, uh, if you ask me to, from memory, uh, pick a career, I wouldn't be able to do it. And so I fell back on trying to guess the years, trying to trying to place their careers over this decade specifically. It was a inconsequential distinction. They're both incredible. They're essentially equivalent. Since Ben talked about Kershaw's 20s, I would like to read something that I wrote recently about Max Scherzer's 30s. So Max Scherzer signed with the Nationals after his age 29 season and is currently in his age 34 season. So these are his 30s. His 30s are with the Nationals, all right? From ages 30 to 34, only nine pitchers in history have ever produced more war than he has. But this was only June 28th at the time. But of course, it's only June 28th in his age 34 season. Scherzer has a whole half season to keep climbing. Sometime in the next couple of weeks, he'll pass Roy Halladay and Kevin Brown on that list. By the end of July, he should pass Bill Hutchinson, a 19th century guy, and Carl Hubble. If his second half is typical Scherzer, he'll pass Gaylord Perry and Lefty Grove and finish the season fourth all time behind Bob Gibson, Joe McGinnity, who played in an era when starting pitchers threw 400 innings a year, and Cy Young. Cy Young! We had to go back to before the first World Series to find more than one pitcher who was as good from 30 to 34 as Max Scherzer has been. So that was fresh in my mind, so he was my number two. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, uh, my number four is Chris Sale. And if I had to guess, I would guess that Chris Sale has the best ERA plus of all of them. Maybe not as good as Kershaw, uh, but better than the others. I don't know. So uh, 2010 or 11 was his rookie year when he was a reliever. And Mm -hmm. so the coverage is pretty good, but he does miss at least one, maybe two years of of kind of of starters innings in this decade and he uh, he hasn't quite been as durable as the others in my recollection although he hasn't been not durable i mean that's like one of the whole jokes about chris sale is everybody's been predicting he would get hurt forever and he never does uh, but my guess is that he has if i had to guess he has a better era plus than the other guys except maybe kershaw but fewer innings than the other guys and so i ended right. up having him number four but it wouldn't surprise me if he was number two i had him five Okay. Item six. Whoa! Oh my yeah. goodness, this is uh, quite the shock. But yeah, but it was because of the innings thing. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Well, we're gonna have a. So I had him at six. We're gonna have something to stat blast after all. Stat blast. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, Meg, Meg, why don't you do number four? Uh, I had Granky at four. Uh huh. Me too. So I had Granky at four, and I feel pretty good about Granky being in the top five, but I may end up flipping him down. Well, I'm not because of who I picked at five, but I'm realizing that I might be thinking that his really good, 
I might be thinking his good Royals year was really good Royals year was his last Royals it, year. It was 2009 though. His his really good Royals year was 2009. Okay. So I'm okay. Uh, well, no, because uh, no, we're not that's, counting. That's that. not this decade. No, but it's ten years prior, so I think that's where I was getting. But I also think I thought that that was 2010, uh-huh. maybe. So, um, but uh, I, I I pick Granky. I think he's just he's like a he's a sneaky he's a sneaky war accumulator. He really yeah. is. He's just been so consistent. He's been so consistent, and he throws so many innings when he is not. You know, like he he's had some bang ups and everything, but um. So I, I I had Granky. Can I tell a second Granky story that I might be partially misremembering, but I fact-checked <laughs> it uh, over text while we were talking to make sure that I actually remembered it better? Please, sure. This uh, story came to me via Eric Longenhagen, who thinks that it roots back to Eno. So congratulations, everyone, for having heard this story. But apparently uh, when they were both with the Dodgers, I guess it probably would have been 2015, you know, Granky is uh, an, odd, an odd bird and loves baseball very much and apparently offered to uh zach lee to like watch his bullpen and give him some pointers and zach lee was like yeah man that'd be awesome thank you that would be so great and so you know he throws his bullpen and granky watches very intently and comes back sometimes later sometime later and says you know i think what would really help is if you threw three miles an hour faster (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so it's just there's just no shortage of good Granky stories. Yeah, he's I, I such love a delightful Gran- weirdo. Well, they're great Most of because them are just him being blunt. <laughs> you <laughs> just don't know whether he was joking or not, right? And that's what makes that especially yes! good because yes! it is funny if he was dunking on Zach Lee, and it was also funny if he was being totally Zach Granky caricature. <laughs> yeah, and the ambiguity there is what makes you uncomfortable, and humor comes from discomfort. So that is a perfect anecdote. Yes. Mm-hmm. About a year ago, I had on my kind of list of articles that maybe I would write was that I thought at that point that Zach Greinke was going to finish his career with Hall of Fame war and absolutely, he was going to be the first player who had Hall of Fame war and that nobody was going to like, like the stat heads were going to be like, eh, eh, doesn't really feel right. Like that it was going to put be a brink in the stat head adherence to war sorts for Hall of Fame. And then he just kept pitching. And now I think that he's going to make it without a doubt. And everybody's yeah. going to love it. So this was maybe mm-hmm. two or three years that I thought this because he is definitely going to get there. And I feel like the momentum for him as a Hall of Famer has picked up and he's going to get there. And he'll mm-hmm. go on as a ro- royal, I guess. Right? Uh, he'll be a no hat guy probably. Yeah, right? no hat oh. maybe. <laughs> yeah, let the main flow. <laughs> <laughs> I had a uh, like n- like seven years ago. I had as a thing I wanted to do was I wanted to do a who's on first built entirely around the name Zach Lee, mm-hmm. and to be like, who's the starting pitcher tonight? Zach Lee. No, isn't it that prospect on the Dodgers? Zach Lee. Zach Lee. You know, like yeah. exactly. <laughs> it was a terrible idea. <laughs> No, never, never never punched it up, never finished it off, never regretted it. (laughs) I got a exactly pun into the annual. Did you? Was it about like how his name sounds like exactly? Yes, it was. Oh, there we go. I was like, he might be exactly what the Mariners are looking for. And then he was he? He didn't throw, I think, a single inning. I had Zach Granke sixth. And I had him six. I, if you asked me, Sam, I predict the war, predict the wars. I would have had him fifth. 
but I decided that I was going to pick my fifth off war, um, which is I'm going with Madison Bumgarner, mm. who if uh, he also debuted, uh, I think he debuted in 2009, but I don't think he was good yet. 2010 was basically his, his, I think, his good year. Maybe he debuted in 2010. And I think that if you look at, uh, my guess is that he's going to be pretty close for wars probably he gets hammered on park factors but sure. i think he's got like he's got like a 125 or so era plus which i think is up there with the other guys i think he threw a lot of innings but i think that his contribution to postseason effort is historic it is uh second uh, third maybe only to mariano rivera and maybe kurt schilling and for that i think that his impact on the decade is greater than Zach Granke's. And he is, to me, he is a great pitcher. He is a great pitcher who will be in the Hall of Fame. And so I'm picking him, even though I fully expect him to be like seventh or eighth or ninth on wars. Exactly. Right. Traded for Chris Taylor. Is that right? Yeah, bad one. Wow. Yeah, Jerry wants that one back. You know the, the Joe Posnanski, Zach Granke story, right? I, he's He's written about that probably multiple times, but that's another one in that genre. It's like, I think it's 2007, it was Alex Gordon's rookie year, and Alex Gordon was this highly touted prospect, and everyone expected him to be great right away, and uh, he was top prospect and phenom, and he was terrible. He was really, really terrible for quite a while, striking out, low batting average, everything. And when it was at the worst point for him, Zach Greinke went up to him and said, Alex, and he pointed to the video room and he said follow me i want to show you something and Granky has this reputation as like someone who knows a lot about baseball and he's like a scout he scouts for the diamondbacks now and people think that he picks up on all these things and so gordon was excited he thought Granky had found some hitch in his swing or something was gonna show him some little simple fix for his mechanics that was gonna make everything okay and the video, he followed Granky to the, the monitor, and Granky uh, put on the video, and the video was Zach Granky hitting a home run. <laughs> and Granky watched it, and then he said, Do more of that. <laughs> uh, I gotta find, now I, now I gotta look for a Jeff Solomon tweet. But in the meantime, <laughs> who are your guys? Number five. That's a, that's a, that's a solid story. Yeah. All right. Who are your number fives? Sale was my five. Okay. I had Felix at five, which mm-hmm. I swear is not just like a, but you think about like the timing of his young ward and just the sheer number of innings. Yeah. Just a lot of innings that yeah. were good. They were really good innings is the other thing. And he arguably could have won a second Cy Young in 2014. Oh. I think he would have won a second Cy Young for 2014. <laughs> it's fine. So I had Felix. But he was sort of in that uh, that tier you were describing, Sam, yeah. where it's like, you know, Felix and like uh, Cole Hamels was in that group Yep. for me and Sale. Yeah. John Lester's in that group. Sure. Uh, Sabathia's in that group. Sure. Although I think I had him much, I I had him closer to the bottom of the top ten. Just thinking about when he started, oh, you know. Yeah, Felix probably had a higher WAR for this decade three years ago. <laughs> yeah, he really did. <laughs> uh, so this is a. <laughs> <laughs> this is basically the exact this is a tweet that Jeff did years ago and it's almost the exact same joke except that Jeff made it fictional and Joe Posnanski made it real life <laughs> and it is him calling 
I don't know. I can't. I'm not going to describe it. Oh, is this it. the Jeff Mathis? It is the Jeff Mathis one. <laughs> right. It's a picture of Zach Granke and Jeff Math. This is a terrible way to tell a tweet. What am I doing? <laughs> Jeff, this is like stomping on the Jeff flag. So Vic Monday should come out and rescue it. All right. Uh, Zach Granke standing at the mound with Jeff Mathis. And Granke's got sort of a smug grin. And this is fake dialogue. And Granke says, hey, hey, come here. I want to tell you something. Mathis jogs mathis arrives what is it and then the punchline is that zach granke has a better wrc plus than jeff <laughs> mathis in his career <laughs> which i think is what i don't know that's the best part of it i don't know why i did that i'm sorry jeff it's hard to tell that tweet with words it <laughs> it's is a really good tweet though it is it's probably still true right because mathis is like hitting even bad for and mathis Granke's this year gotten better hasn't yeah. granke gotten a lot better even better? Uh, Am I mistaken that Zach Greinke has become an even better hitter? I don't know, but Mathis has become even worse. I'm uh, going to say that this does not qualify as breaking our rules because I'm going to look at his batting page and not his let's... <laughs> what do you guys think Zach Greinke's WRC Plus is this year? Uh, oh, this year? Well, he's got, he's got, I don't know what it is now, but as of like, oh, as of two months into the season, he was, he had like a 1300 OPS. So if I had to guess, I would guess that his WRC plus is like 125. He has a 113 WRC plus. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Jeff uh. Mathis has a four. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh. we've, We've now like gone all the way back to the beginning of Jeff Mathis's career where it's still baffling that he gets two-year deals and plays a lot because yeah. at this point, he's batting 155 with a, like a 210-ish OBP and slugging. So like even if he's framing really well, yeah, I, I mean, it's other stuff too, but like, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, you figure that this is like rapidly not rosterable. Mm. Yes. So yeah. So where are we? So that Granky must have opened up a sizable lead here because Mathis is at forty-seven career, and he was at forty-nine when Jeff tweeted that. Granky's career WRC plus is fifty-eight. <laughs> so Granky has raised his WRC plus by six points since that tweet, and Mathis has lowered his <laughs> by two points. <laughs> oh no! <sighs> uh, ben, who did you have number five? Sale. 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 All right. Interesting that, I mean, obviously he was not going to be named, but well, Tim Lincecum was, would have been like, if we'd done this halfway through the decade, he would have been number one, probably. This is like, he would have ranked. This is like when Pitchfork does like their top 100 albums of the decade, midway through the decade. And then you go back at the end of the decade and like, (laughs) you know, something like that. I don't know. Who are some of the, who are some of the other, like, uh, like Kluber was outside my top five, but he Kluber was on Kluber was there. close for me. Kl- yeah, Kluber was, was on my six. Yeah, he. I couldn't figure out if he'd pitched enough, but I figured five Cy Young contending seasons yeah. Gets, yeah. gets you in there. I thought about Strasburg. Oh, I sure, Strasburg, yeah. Yeah, because Strasburg debuted yeah. in 2011, right? 2011? Because Trout was 2012 and Harper was 2012, and so right. Strasburg must have been... 10, I think. Yeah, 2010. 2010. All right, yeah. so he covers the day. De- yeah, wow, incredible that and, Strasburg does yeah. not get on this list. Probably. I considered Sabathia, but I, I figured probably he had too many good years before yeah. and too many decent years at the end. Right. Shall we to the wars? Play the music. Again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. That's 
Okay, I can do the Thanos ones first because I have it up. Kershaw is number one, 58.7. Scherzer comes in at two with 53.5. Verlander is three at 50.1. Then Sale at four with 44.3. Then David Price. Oh, yeah. David Price. Wow. With 40.4. Granky is sixth with 39.7. And then we get Hamels at seven, Felix at eight, Kluber at nine, Lester at 10, Strauss is 11th. And then Gio Gonzalez is 12th. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You could have given me a million dollars, and I would have <laughs> whiffed on that. I picked a guy who's below him, though. Yeah, Bumgarner's 13. Yeah, I'm still picking Bumgarner over Gio Gonzalez, though. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, so, wow, Sabathia is really low. Yeah. I can't believe I said his name. It's yeah. hard to know. It's, it's hard, hard to know. To know. When gonna... Matt Latos is 30, so, like, sometimes stuff is really weird, although he's only got, like, 19 yeah, I thought about isn't. saying Craig Kimbrell's name too, even though he is obviously not going to be on the war uh, lists because sure. uh, he is the second greatest closer of all time, probably, maybe. And if you remove postseason, <laughs> right. uh, he might be the greatest, at least through this age. All right, reference. I would like to stress through this age. Okay, sure. I, I'm going to stress <laughs> through this age, not through later ages. All right, number one on reference, Clayton Kershaw, not. By that much. But hmm. no, number two, Max Scherzer. Number three, Justin Verlander. So we all did well. Our top three are Yay. the top three. <laughs> number four, Cole Hamels. Wow. Whoa. None of us got wow. it. Huh. Number five, Chris Sale, just behind him. Mm. And number six, Zach Granke. So huh. Granke, six on both. We so, did all right. Yeah. Yeah, but that's pretty good. You guys uh, are better than I did. Price, seven. Kluber, eight. Felix, nine. Mm. Cueto, Johnny Cueto. 10, John Lester, 11, wow. Madison Bumgarner, 12. Wow, Cueto is 21st by wow. Fangraph's War, by Fifth War. Very interesting. Well, surprising to me that we actually did not get the top four, that we didn't do as well. Cole Hamels. Yeah. yeah. Cole huh. Hamels. Didn't I write a thing for you, Sam, you about did. Cole Hamels at one time? Yeah, you did. Hall of Famer. He'd be a Hall of Famer if he'd gotten... If he'd gotten more run support, right. then he would have gotten more, more Cy Young support, which would have gotten more Hall of Fame support. Yep. So everybody, that article was saying that everybody is going to be smart enough to look past the wins, but they're not going to be smart enough to look past the lack of Cy Young support. Yeah, I was worried about that. All right. So that's pretty pretty good. Pretty good. Surprise. A, a little bit humbling on the pitchers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh yeah, well, thanks to Marcus for that question. Yeah, and that's a great question. This exercise, I think it <laughs> it reinforced how much I rely on war as a crutch. Mm-hmm. Like it was it was painful for me not to look at these wars. <laughs> I really wanted to look at the wars, and <laughs> give I me felt, the war. I felt naked without them. And I guess it's I mean like my ability to just conjure who's the best player in baseball off the top of my head has sort of atrophied I think because I can always consult leaderboards I don't know if that's a bad thing because again I can always consult 
short leaderboards. They're they're always there as long as Sean Foreman and David Appleman are doing their job and paying the bills. I can always check those things in a second wherever I am. But still, maybe I should think about these things more often because, yeah, I, it was tough for me. It was like a phantom limb that I just I could not move. Yeah. Well, I think you you know you do better when you can you do better when you can do Sam's thing when you're like who are the thirty best because you probably would get them. It's the it's the precision of the ordering that I think get gets uh, mm-hmm. gets tricky and that's fair because like the differences between a lot of these guys are not huge. I mean they start to they, they're you know sort of tears and they jump and whatnot, but they're not enormous some of the time. Some of the yeah. time they're they're pretty close. I mean, what the difference between uh well, it's a little more pronounced on the pitching side, I suppose, once you get past the top guy. Yeah, I I think that it the ideal situation is to look at the leader, you know, to look at a list, to look at a bunch of names in an order that has already been pre-ordered and then go, "Oh no, I I think this is I think this is a little different and this is a little different." And no, Madison Bumgarner is actually better than Gio Gonzalez in my head, and I'm fine saying that even though the list says that they're basically right there with each other. But the problem mm-hmm. is that once you get the list, it is hard to then unforget the list right. instead yeah. of forgetting what you thought when you were coming in to look at the list. And it sort of feels like an act of hubris sometimes to be like, ah, well, I'm smarter than that <laughs> thing that I trusted. And so uh, it's a tricky thing. I agree. It's a tricky thing to both need the list, but also want to somehow have an independent mind apart from the list. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, anyway, we did it. Yeah, this was fun. This was fun. We had a whole episode. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Did not, in fact, take 10 minutes, as I feared. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to wake up at 3 in the morning singing that song. All right, hope you all had fun playing along and scoring at home. I know none of you cheated and looked at those wars while we weren't able to show some solidarity. You can support this podcast on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash effectivelywild. The following five listeners have already pledged their support. Patrick Gordon, Craig DeLucia, Felisa Gale, Ethan Lutsky, and Ben Llewellyn. Thanks to all of you. You can buy my book, The MVP Machine, How Baseball's New Nonconformists Are Using Data to Build Better Players. Leave us a positive review at Amazon and Goodreads if you're so inclined. You can join the podcast Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash effectively wild. You can rate, review, and subscribe to Effectively Wild on iTunes and other podcast platforms. And you can send us your comments and questions and other forms of feedback via email at podcastfangraphs.com or via the Patreon messaging system if you are a supporter. Thanks to Dylan Higgins for his editing assistance, and we will be back with one more episode a little later this week. Talk to you then. Hello? Okay, just a second. It's for you. The question is, what is a menomena? The question is, who cares? <laughs>